Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Dungeon Master Discussions with your host, me, Zach the DM. It's very good to see you guys. It's been a little bit, and I'm very excited to get the next few weeks of DMD out nice and smoothly. Tonight, we're starting with a guest that, if you're a fan of the Dungeon Dragons on the Nerdy Northerners channel, you may recognize. Nemo. Also played in our Gutain Massages Battle Royale, and I'm blanking on your character's name. I even, like, pulled it up. Um, oh, uh, Jake, we can hear your audio. Um, um, but what was your character's name in? It was... Uh, uh, King Zugarius. I remember your last name. <laughs> so Nemo here is actually one of my... Here, I'm gonna write. I can just mute Jake. Just do that. That'll make it nice and easy. Um, so you've been one of my uh, not only longtime players, nearly making it the entire year with me as my as a professional dungeon master. Hell yes! But you're also one of like the youngest dungeon masters that I know personally, and you definitely put aside a lot of uh, what I would say expectations of a younger dungeon master. Like when, because you're just in uh, early stage high school, so the fact that you're already so creative and like, like making such cool concepts and ideas, and your players are already so engaged in your stories, is kind of very impressive to me because of the fact that you haven't had nearly as much time to absorb all that media that I've had. Like I've, I've probably, well, actually, maybe not. Maybe nowadays you've been able to consume more media more rapidly than I was because I used to be up like the internet used to download a video in like an hour now you can be like bang 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 I had to wait for loading times you don't you don't got that um but I, I should let you introduce yourself would you like to tell everyone a little bit about yourself uh my name is Mimorar uh me many people just call me Nemo because it's much simpler and it's a nickname that I've had for a very long time uh, I've been a dungeon master for about three years. Um, I've been essentially a player for about four, four and a half years. Mm -hmm. um, I got into dungeon, dungeon mastering because when I was a player, I had all these cool ideas that I wanted to put into like, my own vision, but my DMs were like, nope, we're going to do this style and this player. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to create my own game and going to be whatever I want it to be. Yes. No, that's actually exactly how I started. And you're not. That's uh, I was playing and people I had ideas and people were doing one thing. And I was like, we should do this thing. And they were like, but I'm doing this thing. So I was like, well, yes, I got to find my own car and drive my own path. <laughs> Make my own stories. So exactly. today we're going to talk uh, mechanical uh, ver mechanics versus magics. So, um, essentially, there's so many... I personally focus heavily on magic. I have uh, usually higher magic worlds, and I really like magic items and uh, magic stories and uh, adding a lot of magic into everyday normal life uh, around the world. And uh, I'd asked you, well, before we were planning the show what you did you what you thought you did more than me and you said that you did more mechanical type things and i was interested to hear like what kind of mechanical things that you're doing 
Nima. Oh no. <laughs> Been reading all that crap. But I, I put a, like a spin on it to make it more D Dungeons and Dragons thematical theme. Mm -hmm. So, such as a car might not be running on oil, gas, or any of that might run on magic. Mm -hmm. um, one of my friends, uh, he came up with a uh, idea for magic crystals called salt. There'd be salt crystal, and essentially it's raw magic that you can input into devices of your choice. Okay. And uh, <laughs> and so I took that idea and I made these mines all across the world that I have. And it's salt is a very expensive thing to have because it's pure magic. It's raw magic. So when people usually get it, they use it to enhance things such as magic items, um, cars, vehicles. Hell, there's even a city in my world that runs completely on it. Every, there's like lamps. It's amazing. Um, and yeah. Uh, and it's not like magic is not used in my world very often. It's a very big yeah. thing. It's just when you look at like modern day mm -hmm. uh, and, and then D&D, &D, when you think of fantasy, you think of magic, swords, shields, dragons, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um, we don't really expect to find <laughs> your modern day things such as plumbing or cars or any of that. Because when you go and play D&D, your mind switches to, oh, that's fantasy. That's yeah. like, I want to escape from all of this. Envision it like that. Yeah. And, I like I like that you've named your pure magical essence salt, just such a simple thing that we throw away today, and you've been like, no, 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 no. Because right away, it kind of like throws a little like, um, uh, I was like saying you break somebody's like, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, their expectations. So when they hear, oh, I just got some, I need you to steal a package of salt. They're like, all right, where's the local tavern? Well, come back in 20 dog uh and then he's like no it's a highly guarded package of pure magical essence only found in this store and they're like oh okay okay it like catches your attention on that and then you're like okay well what else is just abnormal here i find those things like having like those little like things added like into the the world very much immediately make players go okay this is weird what else is weird <laughs> If salt is even normal, what's water? <laughs> well, I mean, it's Dungeons and Dragons, so uh, there's multiple wondrous things that you could find along your travels as your adventuring party goes to places. Um, I think one of one of the best case uses that I've used for salt mm -hmm. was my players went into this dungeon. It was this dungeon of this white dragon. Um, except the white dragon was infused with this fire, like fiery type of salt. It was infused into its blood, its very essence. Ooh. And sort of you, it used both of those to mold its, um, it's essentially its layer into envisionment. Yeah. So when the players first encountered it, they came to this completely open, like lava lake with ice chunks floating. And they're like, that's not how physics works. And little did they know, as soon as they walk on it, they encounter a gargantuan dragon that is glowing and on fire. 
So where how did the salt come into that dungeon? Was it so mm-hmm. uh, uh, um so the salt was so originally uh, yeah. the idea that I had planned for that dragon is exactly where it's been. How did this dragon get infused with salt? Because that's not a natural oh. thing yeah. to happen. So, in the end, it was there was this crazy guy who mm-hmm. didn't go around paying adventurers to take dragon eggs mm-hmm. and he would then begin experimenting on them mm-hmm. with salt. Infusing, like, essence. And it turned out with these dragons that could use more than one element to their power. That is cool. I like that a lot, especially mixing the dragons and having them kind of work in combination because ice and fire right away, like don't make any sense, but that's all the much better for fantasy. I I prefer things that are weird and don't make sense, but you can still do it because mechanics allow for it. (laughs) Exactly. In real life, it'd be much more difficult to figure out the logistics of it. I mean, if you put ice over fire, the ice is going to melt, and then it's just going to go over the fire, and it's just going to douse itself out. So, Good point, yeah. Um, so salt's a good one. Uh, have you added any other kind of similar, or other types of mechanics or things that add to your world instead of just like the kind of magic items that we were already given. Yeah. So in my world, there's this metal. Um, it's kind of like vibranium from Avengers, but not really. It's, yeah. it's like a much, po- it's, it's super potent, meaning that the, and the only thing that can cut through it or do anything to it is one of itself. So, yeah. This, this metal is very rare. It's one of the most expensive metals in the world. And essentially what I had with it is my players were blowing through everything through like this mechanical dungeon I had planned. They were these like kind of clockwork creations that they were just defeating. And I was like, hmm, I need a challenge. And so this metal and I, of the dungeon, like the guy who essentially ran it, um, was this crazed crazed artificer um and essentially he had built this massive like colossus titan creature out of metal out of this metal and when they and he would just sit in with safe and dante and their first encounter with him he kicked the shit out of the party (laughs) they swung at him with their magical weapons and it and then a fist came and slammed down (laughs) oh man I want to use that, but even more dickishly, like just make it like make it so it's just a mobile like kind of like donut almost, <laughs> and make it so he's like these little flaps, and then you just put a wizard inside, and it just opens the flap, shoots out firebolt, closes flap. Oh, <laughs> uh, the players, the players uh, would definitely be mad. <laughs> oh, so mad, so mad. Um, so how are they? To actually, so they had to create weapons that were made of this metal to defeat that that boss. Uh, <laughs> they actually outsmarted me on this yeah, one. All right, that sounds good. They very outsmarted. Okay, <laughs> I think, uh, 
I, I didn't plan for this. So what they did, one of the per, one of the players had an immovable rod. And <laughs> they're like, always wins. Hey, can is there like a hatch to this or anything? And I'm like, yeah, you, you can go inside. It's going to like take a while. So I had a, this, this artifice had like a bunch of arcane locks and, mag and like locks yep. on it to keep himself yep. safe. Oh, good luck. And yeah. so over, over the course of like a minute in game, 10 rounds, they just barreled through and made their way to the artificer. The artificer went the fuck it, get out of here. Wait, how they how they get through? They just like got through the arcane there was locks. A bunch of arcane locks. Yeah, they just like a bunch of arcane locks and hatches and yeah, like they just they they, they so what they did was they would heat metal. They heat metaled it, mm -hmm. and then they would have their barbarian hit it. And obviously, when things are hot, it in real life physics will expand if you hit it multiple times. So eventually the locks just shattered, they went inside, took a movable rod, put it over the artificer's body, the machine yep. kept on moving, uh, and it just, the, the artificer's chest caved in. Everyone Died. does that! Any, <laughs> do not put, okay, so if your players have an immovable rod, do not put the big bad evil guy on anything, like if you're gonna put him on anything mobile, make sure it doesn't have a fucking back wall. Okay, the amount of times where it's been like, I knocked a big bad evil guy prone, and it's like we're on an airship, we're moving at like ninety kilometers an hour, right? I'm like, yeah, and they're like, I take out the immovable rod, and I'm like, fuck, and they put it, I'm gonna put it between his legs and lock it, and it's like next turn, it's like, doesn't the airship move forward ninety feet? I'm like, the thing about immovable rods, is and then what, what makes them so versatile. After a certain amount of time. Oh, you cut out. What'd you say? Um, immovable rods have like, they can only hold up to like 5,000 pounds or something. So mm -hmm. after that limit breaks, it just goes along. But it doesn't actually go until the force reaches it. So if it's like person here, wall, immovable rod. And then it just cuts through them, and that can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so versatile because it's the only, it's one of the few items that doesn't give the DM any discretion, and it's so simple that the rule isn't negotiable. It is a immovable rod. When you activate it, it does not move. Okay, there's no argument that I, as the DM, can be like, "Well, this one moves a little bit." It'd be kind of, it kind of be like, well, okay, so now we have the semi-movable rod. Great. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of one of the ones that locks the DM where it's like, yeah, yeah, I can't do anything about it. There's no roll, there's no save to fudge. I'm just going to say this right now, you cut on a lot, you cut out a lot during that, but I got the gist of it. I got the gist of it. Movable rod is definitely a thing that I, I won't give to a party member. <laughs> a PC. Yeah, a it's always one. I look at it and I'm like, oh, this is so simple. It's a, it's just a classic magical item. Let's let's give it to them and hope they enjoy. And then I do and I regret it every time. It's a very powerful item that no one thinks is powerful. Or maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. You're not the only one. <laughs>
Oh man, but um, so when creating these like kind of new items, you are they usually like purpose built? Like you kind of run into a problem while making a campaign, you're like, oh, this would be a cool idea, or or that. Sorry, are they purpose built? So you're like, oh, that would fill that purpose, or is it like, oh, this is a cool idea. How can I add it? Or how do you um, come up with these ideas? So my original idea for salt was um, because it's raw magic, it can hold spells and can be used to cast spells. And since many spell-based magic items are included to casters only, mm -hmm. um, I, I thought of a way to mm -hmm. give it to maybe a martial class who wanted to use magic. Yeah. Some spell and just cast a spell through it. And give them uh, using it. Work. Maybe I should start using this more and more. And well, it's now just a casual thing in my games. Uh, yeah, you can go to mine, get it, and use it for your discretion. Do you? So, would you say that you kind of like? play tested a little bit in your game before making it too mainstream yes uh because here's the thing a lot of the stuff i write sounds good on paper mm. it's, it, it's a little bit like that with some things in dnd sounds good on paper but mm -hmm. is it actually in the game yeah so many things I, oh yeah <clears throat> i there are many things that are like that, so I'm not sure if I just want to change this thing and then retcon it. Because then, if I retcon it, all the stuff that they did with it is just gone. And I don't know. I don't like that in my games. I don't like retconning stuff. No, I, I <laughs> definitely agree. And anytime I'm trying out something new, I'll definitely like play, feel it out first, and then if it if it goes well, I can. It's very easy to be like, oh, there's this thing you didn't know about in this massive, huge, infinite, near-infinite world. It's like, oh, dang. Oh, dang. Yeah, the players <laughs> can't be upset that they didn't know about something, but they can be upset if you take something away. Okay. That, that, could, that could be with anything. It could be with magic items or just gear that they got or gold. Uh, taking things from players. <laughs> do you find uh, is any like? Do you have any like special way of playtesting some items, or any like kind of approach to it? Yes. So how you usually do it is, I'll maybe let them find one one idea of the of like what i want to use for these items and such as with the salt crystals i originally mm -hmm. gave them one that could cast fireball at an extremely high level yeah and i wanted to see how they would use it and so after they used it in the magic now they're like holy shit this is extremely useful and i want another one <laughs> and, and it wasn't affecting like anything in the game it actually helped them because it had a really good AoE thing to use uh, yeah. for the massive swarms of enemies. So uh, I decided that, hey, maybe that there are more of these. And 
ever so slightly, I began handing in things that I, I thought would work pretty well. Mm. And then eventually it just came uh, together. Same with the metal. And I mean, the salt was definitely different, much different than the metal. The metal I created because my players, they, uh, you know, they, one or two rounds, anything I threw, gone. <laughs> um, and so I, I, and I didn't want to like throw a creature that would just kill them, uh, mm. because in CR and D and D, my personal opinion is a bit finicky. It's oh, yeah. never spot on. Uh, <laughs> like here, I here think here there's a, de- <laughs> a de- there's a demon called a glazer blue. I think. Yeah. Something like that. It's like the a boy. creature. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I threw it against my party, and it almost it almost had a TPK with them. But then about one or two sessions later, I threw two Chain Devils, and they just wiped the floor with them. It's only a CR1 difference. Yeah. You got to homebrew stuff at a certain level, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and it comes quicker than you'd think. It comes, like, like level 5, 6. Um, uh, especially if you're kind DMs like uh, you and I are, <laughs> where we give them things and we're like, "Did that make you happy? Good. <laughs> I'm glad you're happy." <laughs> it's such a good feeling to make players happy. I always say though that'll that'll always mark uh, a good DM is a is a good DM always wants to host a good time. Like, because if you're having a good time, like, you, you can look past a little bit of story. You can look past uh, something small. You, you, it, It's very easy because you're laughing. It's, it's hard to notice small mistakes when you're laughing. Besides, the amount of times I spill things when I'm laughing, I clearly must be, be ignorant. Um... So I, I like how you kind of do it. You you definitely focus on player reaction, it sounds like. And by the way, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. And you kind of do, like, a little bit of an idea, a hint that there's something out there. And then uh, then if they enjoy that, you kind of continue stepping it up. And then have you ever had it where it's gone to the point where you're like, yep, that's good enough. The players like it just enough. We're not going to make it any more into the world. When when do you decide to stop? Because like Salt, if I was a player, I'd always want more and more and more and more. And at some point, you got to decide, okay, too much salt in the world. I made a catch with the metal and the salt. The mm-hmm. metal thing was that it may have been very powerful, but if you killed something with it, the soul of the creature would go inside and would capture it in the metal. And over time, the metal would become warped and warped, and you would have nightmares. Oh, it would start happening to you if that's only what you used. That's pretty sick. It's pretty sick. I dig that. With salt, I made a (laughs) limit. With salt, I put a limit. If you use too much in a certain amount of time, your age and your life decreases. Mm. The life expectancy decreases. Because think about it like this. When you're using salt, it's not like you're a caster. You're not 
actively like using the weave around your control. You're yeah. just taking it and forcefully using it. And in the end, that would have some drawbacks on your body and strain. And the more yeah. you use it, the more bad, the more drawback it would have every time you use it. Yeah. Cool thing uh, that makes me think of is like it would almost probably like you can you can take this or leave this. It almost like when it's used, it like affects the weave around where it's used because it's like this. It's not part of the weave, but all of a sudden it's like taking going into it and using it. And so uh, it would kind of affect the, the small area of where it's used. But since like the person is the casting it, that's all people would really realize. They'd be like, oh, the, the person gets sick. Really, like if there's like a high area of use of, anyways, I'm just I'm getting ideas. I like this. I like this salt. It reminds me of my gnomish uh, magical essence. <laughs> I don't believe we encountered that in your case. Uh, in the factory in uh, Terrest. The 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 factory that breaks down magical uh, items into their pure magical form. Yeah. I'm stupid. Never mind. <laughs> I just want like. It's okay. I feel that all the time. Like we spent five arcs there, <laughs> protecting the factory. Yeah, taking the factory, taking the gear, which makes the magical essence. I think like two sessions ago, I made you guys go get magical essence. <laughs> Suck. Okay. No, you gave. You told us to. We never yeah. did. Oh yeah, you never we're did. We're like, hey, we're going to a temple. We're going to a temple. A little bit of yeah. No, we got chased. <laughs> um, so you do a lot of mechanical changes to items. Do you find that you do a lot of mechanical changes to creatures at all? Something I don't really like. Another thing I don't like about not regular D&D monsters mm -hmm. is that once you use them enough, predictable your players will like after a while your players will essentially know the entire stat block of that goblin or that hobgoblin war chief or those packs of kobolds or the amount of times i heard there. i rolled a 17 i know that hits i'll roll damage and i'm like fuck you now it's ac is 18 i don't care if it's a slime <laughs> i'm just kidding Oh uh, yeah. Oh no. Uh, uh, I usually just change it up a bit. So one thing I used this was a while back. This was like about a year ago, maybe a year mm -hmm. and a half ago. Um, I think it was like a level two party. I had to go to this cave to clear some goblins, and they're like, "Goblins, really?" And when they arrived there, they found goblins, but these goblins were infected and have and infections all over their body and when they die they explode and deal poison damage to the pc i made a neat effect i actually took this from wild mount um if the pc gets knocked unconscious and they fail a few of their con saves they become infected and come back to life as an infected creature yeah so what? that took the sorcerer oh <laughs> uh... How the sorcerer get into co God dang it, sorcerer! You're not even supposed to be that close. Oh man! I just ran up. No, goblins I. Goblins are. Goblins can be so good, and you can do so much with goblins. Like, 
the, the goblins are like a good example of how versatile every creature is. Like, um, an example, it. I made a very simple change to some creatures in your game, which made um, uh, a combat much more different than you'd expect. You guys fought dryads and treants. However, uh, they were under, they have been warped by the deity of decomposition. And so fire didn't affect them the same way. Um, the dryads did not have a charm, but instead a fear ability. And the treants uh, had a much faster uh, animate tree ability. So they can create a horde much quicker. Yeah, no, that was after after like five or three came out. I was like, we need to go. <laughs> yeah, normally it's like one a day. Um, there might be a time to it, but you like touch a tree and it like animates into another tree end. And these these corrupted, um, decomposed ones, I just said they could do it uh, as an action. Um, and when they touch, it takes a round. And then the next one, it spawns. So they can create giant waves. But, of course, just like the regular animate tree, they only last for 24 hours or until they're killed. Or until they don't sense any threat around and just reroute themselves. So they're not permanent. I, I mean, it, they, and think about it like this. If that just continued, eventually a gnomish town would be just, hey, there's the adventurers we hired. Why is there like fifty tree ants chasing the oh, Why is there a just... forest behind them? <laughs> Magical forest. Oh my god, it would be terrible. I loved it when you when you guys were like fleeing, and then as you guys were like about to take off, you're like, "Don't go back to town. None of us go back to town. <laughs> <laughs> Don't lead them back there." <laughs> I saw they were running towards town, and I was like, "Oh." No, we're gonna get fired. We're gonna lose our job. <laughs> uh, hundreds of lives, thousands of lives lost. Fuck it, my job. <laughs> my job. We just, we just saved them once. <laughs> yeah, dog. Imagine saving them from slods and mind flares to have it destroyed by treants. Oh my Sad. god. Sad. But yeah, no, you, those, those changes to those creatures really create a whole different encounter. And I didn't really have to change all that much. I just I just sped up a tree in action, and I just, I didn't really change anything about the creature, but a whole different combat, which creates a whole different um, challenge rating for the characters. Yeah, that, that one, you guys are a very strong party, and uh, I give you guys a lot of special things, but that that encounter was meant for you to run. And it was either meant for you to run through or fall back. The fall back, as you've seen, there was an ambush I was setting up. But if you went forward, you would have got to the temple and done what you already did. I forgot that I, I, I didn't forget. I just, I didn't, I don't, I knew that everyone could fly. I just thought it will be faster to run. And then I was like, it's not sure in the slightest. <laughs> Oh man. Well, you know, in, in encounters like that when you want your players to run, 
they're like, no, we can take this. And they just go down one by one. It hurts. Mm -hmm. It hurts. I think that happened to me twice. Twice in games I've run. We can defeat you. You know what? Um, <clears throat> you actually bring up... I was talking about this in my uh, when I was streaming my own channel. Um, so I was talking about that chase scene that I did in your game with the deity of decomposition. I did two chase scenes that day because I ran two games back to back. So I did your chase scene, which was technically combat. It was like... It was kind of like I didn't make you guys roll initiative. I just kind of went one by one, and you guys ran. Um, but the other group, I did skill checks, where it was like uh, you have to run, and you have to make athletics or acrobatics checks, um, and you have to pass three out of five to be able to escape. If you fail three out of five, you're going to get grabbed, and somebody's going to have to risk one of their saves to help you. Um, and I found that was much better. And I think that's what I should have done for your chase scene as well. I could have, I, 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 I'm fine with the combat and it made sense for you guys to be running and shooting back, but I should have done skill check and then shoot back. So if you want, you can make an attack, but you have to at least make a skill check to run because it was supposed to be a. It, it was a like a scary chase scene, but it, it. I think with the skill checks, it immediately makes you go from "Oh, I can fight this" to "Oh, I can't fight this." Uh, the funny thing is, is there's actually a chase mechanic in Dungeons and Dragons Fifth yeah. Edition, which I've I've only ever used once. I've never used it. How'd you like it? I, it's it's not combat, but it runs kind of like combat. Yeah. There's no opportunity attacks. When you dash, you have to make you can dash a amount of times equal to I think it's one or two plus your constitution modifier and so on and so forth. Yeah. And while the chase is happening, usually you're gonna be dashing. <laughs> um but you can use your action to do many different things such as hide disengage if they're stabbing you right behind your back, so on and so forth. And it's not like traditional combat where oh, I turn around and I begin stabbing them. It's oh shit, I need to get out of here fast. Yeah. It just right away lets you know that this is not a, a game to be played with. Mm -hmm. Alright, this is a, a thing to run. I tried to I think what I should have done in the most optimal thing is <clears throat> Uh, you guys got to see that in this 30-foot radius around the deity of decomposition, anything that came within it was just destroyed. Um, like, uh, I think an arrow came through and, like, the wood of the shaft, like, just, like, melted into itself. Have you ever watched food, like, decompose, decompose videos, like, sped up? Like, that's what happened to the arrow and the feather, and, like, the flint, like, tip, like, cracked and, like, fell to the ground. And that was meant to be, like, the sign of, like, so, if that happens to the arrow, imagine if you go in there. All right? That was... You're losing, the room. <laughs> You're losing something. <laughs> your leg, your ankle. Yeah, it's not going to go well. Um, have you ever had any other creatures that you've changed up and had uh, really effective or fun use with? 
<laughs> I love how so, you say that. <laughs> <sighs> there was this creature that I mm-hmm. read from Eberron. Essentially, what these creatures do is they jump into somebody, take control of their body. All right? Like, they completely, be, they completely control that creature, and the creature cannot do anything about it. The only way to take to stop it is by dropping down whoever's whoever ghost is. So, ah <laughs> uh, yes, I think it was a party of six players. Three of these creatures jumped into three of the other players. Oh gosh, uh, it's a fun way to make PvP. Let the players control the 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 evil things that are inside them as well. Oh man! They, so essentially, how it works is if they—the only way it's released from the body, I think, is from protection from good and evil, mm-hmm. or if the host drops to zero hit points. So, I—I didn't—I didn't do anything. The creature—the creature also gets all the abilities of the creature it's hosting. Yeah, uh, but it does not get any. So, I was like, you attack person and i had i essentially chose what the players did for their turns and it came, it got to a point where they're like you know what i know what's going to happen i'm just going to do this to the best of my intentions and they did that until they finally managed to knock one unconscious and the creature came out and they had to deal with the creature that came out on top of their dead companion oh man so how do you change that how do you warp and make that or do you just, uh, is that just a creature you really enjoyed running? Uh, I changed it, how I changed this up to be more specific mm-hmm. is I didn't like the idea of it doesn't leave <laughs> and it ca- it cannot leave unless, like, you take it down or cast protection from good and evil. Yeah. So, I had it whenever a player would hit the, the person it was hosting, a player could make a save Pell it out of its body. Yeah, almost like, like when a, a purple worm or Tarask devours a creature. If you do yeah. a certain amount of damage, it spits them out. Yeah, and I ran it kind of like that. So it wasn't like okay. me just making it totally unfair. Yeah, to the point where like <laughs> you have to kill your team, your friends, your allies, the people that you've spent many sessions with. You have to kill them. Uh, <laughs> I just had it. You got a really good hit. They're out. I like that. You know, um, that makes me think now. Um, what you could do as well is, um, if one person hit the player, have the the thing like pop out like the back, almost like a ghost kind of like or like a soul. Wouldn't and then if another player can then hit the beast at that time. I love changing creatures. There's just so many awesome things you can do with it. Um. Hmm. Creatures have always been something that right away I found needed to be changed. And I've always gone with very simple like HP and AC uh changes. And I want to look into doing more as in like adding in like actions or adding in multiple initiatives or adding in a, a multitude of things. 
And I was wondering if you've ever experimented with any different kind of alterations to your creatures. Oh, so this is actually a question. I think I this right before the interview. Hey. I told you about how many players mm-hmm. game fight uh, I removed blank. Some of the Better wait, Nemo, you're cutting out. Can you repeat that again? Remain feet. Unlike regular. I some stuff. Um, so the first thing, because yep. this thing had armor and special items on it, mm-hmm. it didn't activate as greatly. So when you when one of my players attempts to use radiant bell on it, mm-hmm. Oh, Nemo, I cannot hear you. Terrible. Oh, I got you there. Huh? There you go. Hello? I got you yeah. again. Hi, buddy. Okay. <laughs> where where did I cut out? I hadn't heard any of that. It's been it just like started cutting out really bad. <laughs> Sorry. I will I will begin from the beginning. Thank you. So, <laughs> uh, I reskinned this uh creature um from a regular vampire and I essentially changed out its abilities. So that it had a, one of its abilities, one of its means of finding features was it had a misty step-like ability. It could essentially turn into a bunch of bats in mist and teleport 60 feet to a location of its choosing. When it did that, it had advantage on its first attack. So, as an example, if, it, if a person was in front of it, it would teleport behind to maybe a squishier member uh, and have advantage on its first attack. Vampires can grapple people, so it picks them up and then does whatever. Second ability that it has is essentially when it gets below half HP, it explodes. And it doesn't explode in a regular fashion. Um, you ever play. How do I explain this real little In Skyrim, when you have a vampire lord and you transform into the vampire lord, you, you know how the like, blood and everything <clears throat> explodes everywhere? Yeah, That's it's almost like. Do, it's it's almost like the vampire lord is like inside of the human. And then just like blows up and grows instantly. It's yeah. a very interesting so transformation. It, that's that's what it, this creature could do. It exploded, releasing blood that damaged everyone in a radius around it. And it would then it then turned into this huge creature that they're like, oh shit, this went from medium to huge. We're fucked. <laughs> I'm actually uh and finding the, yeah, go ahead. while it's in this form. Yeah. You can go if you'd like. Oh, no, no, no. While it's in that form. Oh. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> we're just uh we're just uh getting into that Discord moment where as I say something, you I, I hear you start talking. 
Um, but uh, I was gonna say I'm actually using that ability in a boss fight soon, and that's all I had to say, and that's oh. why it didn't matter. Um, so in that form, what can it do? Uh, essentially, it does a little bit of extra damage on all this stuff because it's bigger and stronger and it slaps harder. Uh, slap. It, sla it, it slaps you a little harder. It hits you. And <laughs> last feature. When it's. Or makes. One second, Nemo. I think you're cutting out again. Uh, um, it was when you started saying that last point. Uh, um, it's okay. Internet fights. Essentially, I'm sorry, Zach. No, it's fine. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Essentially, uh, whenever somebody hits it with a ranged attack, mm -hmm. move without provoking opportunity attack and make an attack against a creature that hit it with enough. And so it's very scary when your barbarians hit it and then your spellcaster goes whoop and hits it and then and it. Oh man. That is terrifying. So when you're creating these mechanics, how do you how do you find you balance them? How do you make it so that they're not just overpowered or really underpowered in the game? Well, I think about it like this. Because um, PC, PCs are fairly powerful. PC characters can do a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like such as Vengeance Paladin. This is what this th the Blood Knight was based off a Vengeance Paladin per se, but it doesn't have a lot of the stuff it can do. Yeah. Vengeance Paladins, I think, can misty step. Um, on a reaction, if they are, if somebody moves out of the range, they can chase after them and slash them. And so, mm -hmm. if if a, that works very well for a Vengeance Paladin against anything that's trying to escape you you can go up slash them teleport places they're very versatile in the way they move yeah so instead of just keep in combat like i run up to it i swing at it it swings at me i swing at it it swings at me it can teleport move around it can pick you up teleport somewhere else slap you throw your friend down around and it combat so that players can't use the strategy of i swing at repeatedly with until it dies at that same yeah. spot it's, i like that so you kind of take you, you you take um reference from other like player classes that already exist to kind of make it so that the monster is almost it's almost like taking that class for the monster, but warping it how you need it to be. Taking like the bits and pieces that you like. 
Uh, I also get some of the disadvantages of such things, such as, um, I forget it. I think I made it so that if you hit it with, if you hit the Blood Knight with a, a very big stick hard enough, it just did double damage. <laughs> Why a big stick? Why specifically uh, a big stick? Because vampires are weak to big sticks. You I, had my attention, but now you have my. I didn't. I don't know what the meme was. God damn it! Fuck. It's not a meme. It's just that if you hit a, if you gotta, you gotta balance it out. If if something has a weakness and bonuses, make this the it's it's pros stronger. Gotta make its cons worse. I, I agree with that. I just I'm st- I don't know why my brain's still stuck on the stick. I'll move I'll move past it. I'll move past it. So so Zach, in like folk culture, in like cult, olden days, you yeah. take a stick and you stab it in a vampire's heart, they yeah. die. Yes. Again, that makes sense. But being I'm imagining being just whomped over the head with a big stick. I'm just imagining like you're sending Dracula to horny jail. <laughs> Like, well, I mean, wouldn't if you stabbed them with a stake in the heart, I'd be like, okay. But yeah, no, it again, you're, you're, it, I'm getting stuck up on one thing that I don't need to be stuck up on because it can just be, anyways. Um, but I, I agree with you, exactly. It can be whatever you want it to be. Um, but with big pros, you can have some big cons, and to be honest. The, the stronger you make a creature, like, I find the bigger you can make their cons. Like, the deity of decomposition that you're being uh, going against. I've only shown you its pros so far. It's very strong and fearsome. However, it's got some pretty high cons for being as powerful as it is. As it is. So, it's going to be one of those things where as you... It, it it can also help kind of create, make a monster and do kind of an investigation along the way. Because you face it early and you get your ass kicked. You face it again and you like, you learn something that works, but you still have to retreat. And then like, finally, you're able to formulate a plan. You know what you're going to do next time you see it. And you take it on and you absolutely smash it. Like a Tarrasque with acid. Like a Tarrasque with acid. No, that's a, it's exactly it. It's uh, making players experiment and face the same creature over and over again is not a bad thing. Repeat encounters are a great way to piss off a a group because you. I can tell you already. Like at, at every campfire, they're gonna be like, "Is that motherfucking uh, Taras gonna be stomping in here? I don't know if he's gonna stomp into camp again tonight." <laughs> At a certain point, your players just want it to to just appear so they can slap it. Yeah, it's it's like uh, you you can you can pull that tension out way more for one creature because they'll be expecting it for so long, expecting, 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 and then um, at the the least favorable moment, <laughs> they're like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" I, now, now I really have to focus on getting the paladin up because he is the only acid damage. Yeah, like uh, you're if you're 
carrying a caravan, a caravan and you're making your way to like a town or a village. And then the thing appears at the last moment. And it's like, if that anything happens to the caravan, it pays halved. And then it pulls up and slaps the caravan and pays halved. <laughs> the amount of absolute pissed. Especially if it does it and then flies away just as a fuck you. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Uh, uh, destroying... What was that? What'd you say? They just they just appear. They just appear yeah. to piss you off, to bother your party. The point yeah. of like, we're gonna kill you in the end. That's it. Listen, like, I I always try and like be realistic about how, or I always used to. But um, I still am for the most part. But I try and be realistic about how creatures like sneak up to you and like leave. I I wanted to be like realistic, not like they just appear fifty feet in the woods and. And now they're here messing with you in your camp. Um, but sometimes they're, if you're going to have repeat creatures, fuck it, dude. <laughs> make it so they, 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 they come out of nowhere. Make it so they disappear to nowhere. Um, and you can give them like a little magical item to explain that away. Um, and if, if you don't want the players to have that magical item, damn. Last charge just got used. Fuck. Or only one left. You only get it once. Um, but yeah. No, I definitely like having those just changes to creatures and items and, and all the things in D&D. Because it's all very... 5th edition, we always complain that we don't have enough customization, but I think it's just all in our own hands. I think we can create whatever we want. You can't. D&D, there's so many things in D&D, so many options. That you, I, I think it's very hard to find if you really want to distinguish yourself two characters that are the exact same. Yeah. They may have the same class, Uh, many, many, many things that like you can add on to your character, especially with multi-classing. Multi-classing will distinguish your character like no other. Yeah, even if you're the same, you just cut out of there. But I think I heard if you're the same class, race, it doesn't really matter. You with multi-classing, you kind of um, distinguish your character as an individual. But no, I definitely agree. It's it, you. You can do a lot. It, it's role play. Role play. You can do so much. And I think uh, if you're out there and you're DMing, you should uh, give some changes to your creatures, your spells, uh, how things work. Um, instead of having a a wand of fire bolt that works on magic, make it mechanical. Have it so that it, like a little like canister opens up, shoots out like a bit of gas. And it's lit on fire as it travels, so it shoots this little ball of fire. Now it's not a magical item, it's a mechanical item. And you can do that with uh, all kinds of things, like if you're going to make um, a fear ability, but not make it... Um, or if you want to make a stun ability, but you want to make it 
mechanical instead of magic. You can do like smells, sights, uh, uh, sounds, um, and you can make it more mechanical than magic. There's so many changes that we can do in D and D, and I think that we should all take advantage of it because the more cool shit we create, the more cool shit we can share, and then we'll have all more cool shit. I like cool shit. Um, I want to thank you for joining me today on Dungeon Master Discussions. Um, was there anybody or anything that you wanted to shout out or uh, uh, say hi to? Hello to any friends that are watching this. I know. Yes. Hello. Hi, guys. Um, but yeah, thank you, everyone, for coming out for Dungeon Master Discussions. We will be back next Friday. Uh, we'll be talking intoxication in d and I'm very excited for that. Uh, I'm actually going to be talking to the evil wizard from Las Vegas's uh, Medieval Times. So I'm excited to see his perspective on intoxicants in D&D. Uh, I am Zach the DM. You can follow me on my own Twitch, which you'll find down below the dangly bits of Twitch. You'll find Zach the DM. Uh, but we'll be back next Friday at 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until then, guys, thank you so much for coming out, and I hope you guys have yourselves a great weekend. Bye!